probably chased a good uh, 160 or 170 of them, uh, but I only bought 17 of them. And the reason I didn't buy the rest of them, I would have, but the reason I didn't buy the rest of them was because they weren't ready. They were totally disorganized. Uh, the, the owner had an unrealistic expectation of what the enterprise value really was. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with another episode of the Building to Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity really to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers, thought leaders, people here within our market here that really just have that kind of insight, that expertise of owning and running their own businesses, as well as the opportunities that they're involved with today. So today's guest here with me is Tom Bronson with Mastery Partners. And in, in talking with Tom before, it's it's he's one of those where basically you can ask him any question. He's been involved in that scenario with business and especially with his focus these days. So this is going to be a, an interesting conversation. But first off, Tom, I just wanted to say welcome to the show and thank you for taking a bit out of your time here to come join us. Hey, I'm so thrilled to be here. This is a very exciting opportunity to, to talk with your audience and, and talk about kind of the the path that got me to where I am. <laughs> well, it's been interesting talking because I've in, in the different people I've talked with over the time with the podcast, there's there's common themes, but at the same time, everybody's just had a completely different path getting into this, getting into into business in general. That we've had the the serial entrepreneurs that started out selling uh, brownies and, and cookies and stuff as the Boy Scout, and we've had others that were just complete accidental, completely fell into it, wasn't ever the plan, which is almost more my personal story. So guess going down that path, tell us a little bit more about your background, how you got to where you are today. Well, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, right? My, uh, my parents owned a business in, uh, in North Carolina. And so I grew up being around entrepreneurs uh, all the time. Although never really wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, when I went to college, I studied uh, marketing, uh, media, you know, journalism and computer science. And uh, combination. It, yeah, so my, <laughs> my, my objective was to go out and work for a big company and that kind of thing. But as soon as I got out of school, uh, I got hired by a small entrepreneurial company. And then very quickly, I started a new company on my own. Uh, which was a, a uh, advertising business that focused exclusively on the medical market. Uh, and uh, then ultimately, so that would have been in 85, did that for a few years, had a couple of other businesses in there. So those were startups kind of taking on, ultimately sold those. And then my brother and I actually bought our parents' company uh, from them in 1989. And uh, with the intent of, of really growing it, it was a decent platform, but it was a tiny little business, you know, doing $2 million in revenue. Uh, and so our objective was to grow that business. Uh, it was uh, doing medical products to hospitals, doctor's office, things like that, specifically focused on radiology. And when we bought it in, in 89, we um, uh, grew the business from 2 million to 20 million uh, by 95. And then we uh, decided that uh, we were having challenges in the marketplace competing against the one big national player doing what we were doing. 
And so we got into conversations with other regional kind of players like ourselves. Uh, and ultimately, uh, six months uh, after starting those conversations, we merged uh, five companies together in the Southeast. Uh, and by, by the way, without having investment bankers, without having uh, you know other advisors, these were business owners all getting together, having conversation, agreeing on our methodologies, and then merging our companies together. So there we were with a sixty million dollar business um, almost overnight. You know, six months later, uh, and then we went on an acquisition spree uh, and bought a bunch of additional companies. We ultimately sold that business to a big publicly traded company, and I went to work for them. And that's when I discovered uh, something interesting about myself, uh, and that is. Um, I am a great CEO. I know how to lead the business. I know how to run a business. I know how to drive efficiencies. I know how to grow sales. I am a terrible employee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's really the story of most entrepreneurs. That's that's why yeah. we got into entrepreneurial and starting businesses because we yeah. can't take yeah. orders very well. <laughs> so, uh, but but under kind of their umbrella, you know, between when we merged those companies together and when I left the the business, we did seventy two additional acquisitions using their publicly traded stock uh, as our trading commodity. And then I left that and I was like, okay, I want to go back and do something small. So I went and found a really small, uh, tiny half a million dollar a year software company. It had, uh, it was based here in North Texas. I had, uh, I had uh, 13 employees. Uh, we had a terrible reputation. The product was mediocre. Um, and our employees were kind of like the island of misfit toys. Uh, and so I thought, well, this is perfect for me. Somebody yeah, I was going to say, sounds like a great opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something I can go in and fix and turn around and, and move it on. Um, and uh, over the next several years, we grew that business. I took on some investment capital in, in uh, 2010. Uh, we ultimately did 17 additional acquisitions uh, in that business. And I, I transitioned out of that, uh, sold it to a big publicly traded company. Uh, in 2018. And interestingly enough, that's where I kind of unveiled that whole revelation about myself uh, to the to the buyer, because they really wanted me to come on board and work with them. And I said, hey, unless you want me to be the CEO of your company, then then you don't want me. Uh, and yeah. so because I'm a terrible uh, employee. And so, <laughs> so, uh, so then my whole team who was with me, kind of look so so by the way, when we closed that transaction, that was our 100th transaction. So I have bought or sold 100 businesses uh, in my career. Uh, and 100% of them successfully, uh, by the way. Uh, so now I didn't get uh, exactly what I was hoping for in some cases, but we were able to exit uh, every one of them. Uh, and so, so my team, uh, who uh, had been kind of working with me through these acquisitions and, and in the operation of the business, noticed when we were getting close to the uh, transaction that um, that I wasn't actually doing due diligence on any other acquisitions. And they thought, what, are we done? You know, so a couple of them came to me and said, are, are we done here? Um, you know, we, we don't see you going out and buying any companies. And by the way, we would know because we would be doing the due diligence. And I said, yeah, I want to think about this differently now. Uh, and they said, why is that? And I said, here's the situation. When we bought those 17 companies at the last business in the technology company, I probably looked at 250 businesses to acquire, but I only bought 17 of them. I, I probably chased 
a good uh, 160 or 170 of them, uh, but I only bought 17 of them. And the reason I didn't buy the rest of them, I would have, but the reason I didn't buy the rest of them was because they weren't ready. They were totally disorganized. Uh, the, the owner had an unrealistic expectation of what the enterprise value really was. Uh, and by the way, we were paying top dollar uh, for the industry at the time. And so, so I said, guys, I think there's an epidemic out there. And we started doing some research on business transactions. It's really hard to find. There's no MLS for business transactions. You can't go online and go, oh, gee, how many companies sold last week? How many are on the market, right? And you, you can't do that with, with businesses. Many transactions are never even reported. And a great example of that is when I sold my last business to a big publicly traded company, we came underneath the Canadian threshold for reporting at the time. And so that transaction was never reported anywhere. Nobody would even know it, uh, and, yep. except, except my bank account knew it. Uh, yep. And so, so uh, it's hard to find data on that, but of the data I can find, and, and we went on a, a, a real spree here to go and find as much data as we could on business transactions. We came to the conclusion that each year in the, in the um, category of what I call small business, which is under a hundred million in revenue. So that's kind of that lower middle market down to small business. Each year, about 250,000 of them come on the market, but only 42,000 actually close a transaction, which is a whopping 17% success rate. Ouch. And I said, I said, that's a problem. You know, and but I already knew why, right? Unrealistic owner expectations, businesses are not ready for it. There's no strategy in place. Uh, and so we started our new business, which is Mastery Partners, to really focus on helping business owners understand how to create a, a great exit strategy and then execute that strategy to get all the way to the end. So really, really long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> how do I get started? But uh, let me let me, let me me take a break and let you ask me something else. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries at all. No, it's actually very interesting because honestly, a lot of the people I'm typically talking to are, are those business owners. They're the ones that are still in business number two or business number three here looking to grow it. And that's really where a lot of their focus is, is just say, okay, the here and now, right now, what do I need to do in order to grow this business that in the back of their mind, they're thinking, yeah, it'd be nice to go sell it or, or something like that. That's their kind of long-term really fuzzy picture out there, but that's really yep. where most of them are. So I guess my question to you is you've obviously bought and sold a, a number of businesses. So what are you typically looking for in that business? What, what made those 17 more specifically, because I know, I know you painted a couple broad brushstrokes over it, but what, what drives those businesses to top of mind to say, hey, if somebody's really looking to long-term plan sell, what, what's the, the key characteristics here when you're saying unrealistic expectations or execution? What, what does that mean? Take that, can you take that apart a little bit more? Yeah, so, uh, so unrealistic expectations. Most business owners have no idea what their business is worth. They create in their mind a scenario where, where they think it's worth X, and it's almost always based on anecdotes or anecdotal stories that they hear. So a great example of that is, well, gee, my buddy uh, down at the country club who I played golf with on Saturday just sold his business for $20 million. So mine must be also worth 20 million. I need $20 million for mine, right? Well, 
okay, what business was he in? What were you guys in exactly the same business doing the same revenue, doing the same earnings? You know, what, what was it in? But they get in their mind that, oh gosh, he sold his for that. I must be worth that too. So that's, you know, one example. Another example is that because I, I, I just shared with you that most transactions are not reported most people don't really understand how businesses are valued and and how buyers would value a business and so you know most small transactions you'll never see them anywhere you can go look at listings on on the different websites and whatnot you know the the biz buy sells and 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 things like that but but you don't really see what the transaction looks like uh and so um so you don't really have an understanding of what your business how how is a business in my sector valued by buyers uh and so um you know a most businesses most small businesses are valued based on an equation of uh, of earnings right it's some multiple of earnings and that's 99% of all transactions that happen it's on a basis of multiple earnings unless you have some sort of uh, disruptive technology, Uber, uh, think yeah. Uber. If you're the Uber of your industry, then you can trade on some ridiculous multiple, right? And that's, but those are the transactions that get in the news, you know, when Uber raises money or when, you know, in the early days when Microsoft and Apple were raising money, they're raising at these ridiculous valuations because they were disruptive, right? And so, so, uh, but most businesses, 99.99% of business, just like Dove Soap, right? 99.97% uh, pure. Most businesses are gonna transact on a multiple of earnings. So the business needs to make money unless there's some other underlying circumstance that gets there. So that's kind of issue number one. Um, and, uh, and then you gotta look at how multiples are in, in an industry. You know, you might hear that, oh gosh, uh, this industry is trading at six times or eight times earnings. Well, but that's probably for bigger transactions, right? A $25 million business driving, driving $10 million to the bottom line might get six or eight times earnings. But in the same industry, uh, a million dollar business is only getting, you know, one to three times earnings. You got to understand those things because once you understand how the business is valued, you can get a realistic view of that business, of the business value, determine where you want to be, and then you can kind of build a strategy to get there. So the other thing I want to throw in on that is many, many times the business owner establishes the value of his business at what they think they need to retire on. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, that is a, a not a valid methodology to, to value a business, right? Uh, it, you know, so you think you need $5 million to retire on. So I need to sell the business for 5 million. But if the business is only worth 2 million, you need to put a plan in place, a strategy in order to be able to get to that 5 million. Now, I would also argue that, that many, many small business owners, and I, I have no horse in this race, but many, many small business owners don't have a financial advisor who can tell them what they need to sell their business for. And, and many times it's a, it's a number that they're just pulling out. I think I can survive the rest of my life on 5 million. Well, that's what a financial planner does for you. They can tell you how much you need, what value you need to get 
in order to live your lifestyle for your life expectancy. And so, so again, it's, it's just based on these things that we make up in our mind and it's not based on hard, cold facts. We, by the way, do free valuation reports. Uh, so if, uh, if one of your listeners really wants to understand kind of how a business is trading in their industry, I'd be happy to do a free valuation report. You can find it right on my website, click the free valuation report, answer the questions, and I'll tell you what, you know, what the industry is trading on. So, uh, so that's kind of that issue. Number one is, is that unrealistic value. Um, did you want to, did you no, want to, it, it makes sense. And it's really a lot of what I see or what I'm even hearing from you right now is it's all in the, the entrepreneur, all in the owner's head at that point is okay. What the value is they're basing a lot of it. And even going back to your point of saying, yeah, you make a better CEO than a, an employee kind of a thing. A lot of times with the sale, you're probably looking at the leadership or at least the CEO, not necessarily being part of that sale. And yeah. too many times, especially even in earlier stages or smaller stage businesses, I see a lot of the value of the business basically being in the CEO's head, that it hasn't yes. been translated out to the rest of the industry. And that's probably where you'd go with execution that you're talking about. But still, it's it's one of those that's like, okay, if the, the whole knowledge, if the whole, all the proprietary, everything's in the owner's head, that there's no process, there's no systems, there's no actual value to the business itself. It's the really, the value is the owner at that point. And if yep. the owner's stepping away, then yeah, your valuation is going to plummet for sure. Well, and that, yeah. So let me, let me touch on that. You know, I call that owner dependency. If a business yeah. is dependent on the owner, then if you're kind of under 5 million in revenue and you, so that, that kind of is that threshold where you don't have a lot of infrastructure in place. You haven't implemented EOS. You don't have a lot of a good leadership team, you know, but, but a lot of that kind of resides in that owner's head. Uh, if that's the case, the business may be worth zero. No, yeah. Maybe worth zero because all of that knowledge, that tribal knowledge that goes away when the business is sold uh, now, if you're in a larger business, you know, if you're in a hundred million dollar business and there's a lot of things still in the CEO said, you're going to take a haircut. You're going to probably get a 20% discount uh, on the value of the business. But if you're a very small business, your business is almost worth zero if it is totally dependent on you. And that's why, you know, as at the risk of, of uh, being giving a shameless plug to what you do, uh, that's why small businesses uh, need EOS. That's why I am such a huge fan of that system. It's a system to go out and identify those things and fix them so that the business can ultimately be worth more. Uh, you know, I, I look at what you and I do uh, kind of on the same, we're, we're kind of on the same plane here. We're The things that we're both doing are attempting to make businesses more valuable. Uh, and so EOS, I'm a huge fan uh, of doing that. I wish I'd yeah, as I as I told folks, I wish I'd read it 20 years ago, except it hadn't been written yet, right? <laughs> well, 20 might have been. That was the very early days, but still, no. But it, to your point, that's where I look at EOS is it really comes in and builds or rebuilds the foundation under the business to say, okay, give you a solid foundation, how you manage people, how you manage processes, things like that. And that gets that knowledge out of the owner's head to say, okay, yes, we can build a business more than just you makes it easier to scale and grow in the initial stages. But to your point, hey, it's got a lot more value. There's a lot more to the business than just you at that point. That's and it. that really gives, to, at least in my opinion, it gives so many uh, benefits to the owner is like, okay, even if you're not trying to sell today, 
you can actually step out and have a vacation for two weeks and the company's not going to fall apart because it's not just you. It's, it's, it's one of those of really being able to give yourself a little bit more freedom, but yeah, especially in, in your case and where we'll kind of talk about is, is looking at that exit that, okay, you can actually get some value out of this, or there is some value there to hand off to your kids, whatever, whatever you want to do kind of a thing with an exit from the company, but it's, it's more than just you and it's not going to just vanish once you step away from it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a real challenge, and it, and it's more than just that, though, right? It's all about having your processes in place. It's about it's about uh, clearly documenting things. It's about having good financials in place. I, I I'll tell you a story without revealing any name. I, I looked at buying a company uh, uh, late last year, and uh, and I asked for the financial statements, and what I got was the P and L. Uh, and I said, well, this is great, except I need the rest of the financial statements. And the question was, what do you mean? Can I have the balance sheets? Can I have the statement? I can create my own statement of cash flow. I don't necessarily need that, but can I have the balance sheets so I can see? And the answer was, oh gosh, we really don't use that. Um, how do you do your taxes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, do you, how, do you, how are you running your business without a balance sheet? You got to have a balance sheet. And, and so this is, that's an extreme example, right? But most business owners don't really understand the mechanics of their financial statements. And so they've got to get that stuff in order. They got to have their corporate records in order. They've got to, you know, they've got to be able to produce data because one thing I will tell you that once you decide that you're going to sell your business and let's say you're fortunate enough to be kind of in that 17% group that gets a solid offer for your business that you have to be able to produce data that's called due diligence uh, you have to be able to produce the data very quickly because the slower you produce it the worse the outcome is going to be. And if you can produce data really, really quickly, you're probably gonna be in good shape, but most businesses can't. They don't know how to slice and dice their revenue numbers and their, and their profitability numbers. Most businesses can't tell you how profitable they are by item or by customer or by salesperson. Those are things that you have to do to kind of get your business ready. And we have a laundry list of like 500 points uh, that we examine in every business to, to these are the things that you need to have ready. Is every buyer going to ask for that? No, but if you have all of it ready, you can be very responsive and you can get to a closing of the transaction uh, that much faster. And so, so, you know, there's why, you know, a lot of businesses aren't prepared. They haven't documented their processes. They don't, you know, nobody knows, uh, you know, how you do things. And it all, even if it's not the owner's head, it's Billy Bob who's been sitting over there doing purchasing for the last 20 years. He's the only guy that knows the relationships. He's the only guy that knows we get this from here and that from there. Uh, and we have if we if we buy on Tuesdays, we get a discount. You got to document all of that stuff, right? And and that goes to making a business more valuable, probably more than you bargained for in that answer. Well, no, and it actually makes sense because I'd, I'd say a lot of it, what you're talking about is looking at obviously business valuation, business exit. But when you're talking about even just knowing how profitable each product is kind of thing, that's something that you really need to know a whole lot earlier than that, just to be able to make real decisions. Because a lot of times you see that, especially even with the smaller, but even bigger companies, that it's too many times decisions are based upon either incorrect, unknown information, the gut feel kind of stuff. It's like, okay, if you actually had that information, if you had documented, okay, here's our 10 products, where are they profitability today? Where are they next month, a year ago, kind of a thing there, you can make 
d informed decisions on, okay, we really should be Xing out that product line. That product line is not making us any money. It's been down trending for two years now. But if you don't know the numbers, you just keep going down that path because, well, overall we're profitable. So when we got 10 products, we must be okay. It's like, you could be a lot more yeah. profitable if you had five that were actually producing than all 10 kind of a thing there, but they just well, don't know the numbers. Then, then you wind up with something like COVID hitting, right? That changes the trajectory of the business. And suddenly your business is in half of what it was. And, and although that rising tide of profitability had been kind of hiding all those stumps, suddenly the, the tide goes out and now you see all those exposed stumps. And now what do I do with this, right? How do I go out and fix this? If you methodically go through and work on those things, you know, relentlessly on your business, you can fix all of that. I want to give you another example. I bought a company in Chicago a number of years ago. It was a $33 million uh, distribution company, and they were losing about $3 million a year. But in due diligence, we uncovered why. And so I bought the company at a bargain basement price, right? I got it because it was losing money, right? And instantly, uh, I, I came in and, and identified, here are the five customers where we're losing money. I mean, and big money on these big five customers. I, I called the salespeople, I said, let's go visit them because I'm gonna tell them that either A, we have to renegotiate our contract or B, they're welcome to go elsewhere. I can't service the business like this. We went out, we, we visited all five of them. Uh, two of those companies left us. Three of those companies agreed to a price adjustment to get me to at least a break even. And we went from losing $5 million a year to making a million dollars a year overnight. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm not a rocket scientist. You know, I no. just got in there and figured out, I know where I'm losing money. Let me go fix that. And then I could uh, set a strategy in place to not get in that uh, uh, death spiral again. Yeah. So, but I got the company at a great value, turned it into a very profitable business and exited it. And so, so it, it's just not, but it's the things that, that business owners don't think about. A lot of business owners, you know, if you own a restaurant, you come in and you stir the sauce, right? Mm -hmm. or, you, or you come in and you start talking to customers or you talk to the other folks, you, you get involved in the day-to-day -day of the business. It's all about stepping back and taking time to work on your business rather than in your business. And when you do, you can really start to identify and uncover these things that can change the outcome uh, of the value of the business and ultimately uh, uh, get to the get the business to the exit strategy that they want. Yeah, and and even more to that point, a lot of times I'll find that those, especially the entrepreneurial types, but those business owners, they're their expert in whatever their field is. So my background was technology, so I'd be an expert down the technology path. Business financials, that's, yeah, they're numbers and I'm a numbers person, but still that's that's not my forte. That's not my area. So that tends to get neglected if I don't make the effort to say, hey, find somebody that is an expert, somebody that is good in that area, come help bring that on kind of a thing there. Yes. Otherwise, like you said, we, we end up operating without the numbers and we operate without the sales because I'm a big process person. So we're going to focus on the process operation side of the business. Like, well, it doesn't matter if you've got a great operation. If you don't have anybody to sell it, then yep. you don't have a business kind of a thing there. And that's that's really where I see a lot of the the areas of business that they have expertise in are typically the strongest areas of that business. The the other areas are, are weak just because either they don't bring in the expertise or they, they try to do it themselves and that doesn't work well. You know, when we start working with our clients and kind of going through our, our uh, process of improvement and helping them get ready, 
I hear very frequently, especially from the small businesses, you know, under 5 million, you know, in the smaller you get, the more acute it is. Most of those folks are not financial people. And they hate, they say, I hate looking at the financials. I don't even understand the financials. I hate looking at it. And so we go through a process to really educate the business owner on how you use the financials and the things that you can discover and uncover about your business that are, that are hidden in plain view in the financials. And, and I'm telling you nine times out of 10, after, after walking through that and going through the process of understanding it and then budgeting it, budgeting it, and then forecasting and then doing a cash uh, forecasting model, most business owners go, man, I can't wait for, for financials day. You know, I get my financials today and now I can understand it and I know what I need to be looking at. That's what I want is those light bulbs to go off that, you know, if you're really great at doing X and you hate this part of your job, we can teach you to love that part. Or if you can't, let's go find somebody that can love that part because it is so important to driving the value of the business. Yeah. And even to what you were saying is like, okay, yes, you're looking forward to financial day. You're not looking forward to doing the books yourself. you got somebody yeah. else that knows that expertise that's bringing you hopefully the right answers in terms of that, that right pane of glass that has the right details on it that you can actually see and understand. So yeah, you do have to have the level of understanding, but it's still not a case that you're sitting there doing it all. We're not, you're not trying to teach them to be an accountant or a, a CFO or anything like that. You're, you're bringing in that expertise there, which is really what I'd I'm always suggesting from them, it's like, okay, find your lane of expertise and then hire people smarter than you to go bring that other stuff to you that, yeah, you still need to know it, but you don't need to know, you don't need necessarily know how the sauce is exactly made. You just need to know that, okay, it is being made. All the customers love it. It tastes great. I don't need to go stir the pot myself. I just know you're handling it well. Right. You know, one of the, I learned this uh, from one of my mentors a few years ago, even if you do know everything uh, in the business and how to do it. Uh, one of the um, uh, tips for when you're when you are on the market and you have a prospective buyer walking through, uh, at least pretend like you don't know uh, how to do some <laughs> things, right? Uh, and and ask other people. You know, and I got this from a, from a great friend of mine who was a mentor of mine for a long time, and he said as he's walking around because he's he's done a number of successful exits. One of the intentional things he does is when he's walking around, he'll walk into an office. And, and he'll be telling, you know, here's Bobby, he does this. And here's Susie, she does that. And you walk into an office and go, and Chuck, I don't even know what Chuck does. Hey, Chuck, what do you do? And so it's now saying that, okay, I am not the repository of all the information uh, in yeah. the business. And then Chuck will step right up and explain what he does, right? So what do you do again, right? And so so it's kind of one of those uh, tips to do that. Now, don't, you know, obviously don't mislead if all the, but if you have somebody actually doing the work, don't pretend like you know everything because the value of the business is in the people and the processes and, and what you're doing. Uh, and those are what's carrying forward, right? So, uh, so that's so important. No, it definitely is. And I, I would even argue that it's important, again, even before then to say, hey, you're, you're empowering your people. You're, you're, you're giving them that confidence that, yes, I am a true part of this, not that I'm just being micromanaged or I'm just the, the robot type sitting here following the process and stamping the, the end product. That it's like, okay, I do have some true value here. Even like I said, if, if that is the, the owner's expertise, hey, we can still bring in people in that area of expertise and bring value to it. So yeah, it's, it's building a team in the culture at that point too, even beyond the sale. 
Yeah, it's not, of course, we focus our time on exit planning, right? And, yeah. and figuring out what that ideal outcome looks like so that we can build a strategy to get there. But, uh, but you know, I, as I always say, a, a great exit strategy drives business strategy. So if you understand how your business is valued, then you can make decisions that improve the value of the business over time. It doesn't mean drive everything by exit strategy, but the exit strategy, if you understand what your exit strategy is, you can do things to drive additional value. And you may choose if you're at a crossroads and you, I can do this or I can do that. Well, which one of these improves the value of the business? Let's go that direction, right? And, and it helps kind of give clues to what the business strategy is. You know, one of the things that uh, is very alarming to me is that 74% of business owners, this is all of them, right? There's 6 million plus 6.2 million businesses that employ people in the United States. There's another 22 million solo entrepreneurs, right? But there's, there's 6.2 million businesses that employ people. 72% or 74% of those business owners have no exit strategy at all in place. I, we're working with a client now that his strategy is, I, I'm just going to die behind my desk. <laughs> I, I understand that. You, you want to work right. until you die. However, uh, let's get a strategy in place so that your family knows how to deal with this, right? And that they're prepared. Uh, to take over this business or that it can be sold uh, very rapidly after that fact. I get, you know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer and baby boomers just like to work. We like to work, you know, as I, as I tell my millennial children, uh, uh, you know, my generation invented the 60 hour work week. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, we just like to work, right. It, it's what uh, gives us value, but and, and that's one of the drivers that, that makes business owners delay thinking about their exit strategy. But if they, if, they, if they have a solid exit strategy, it can help drive business strategy as well. We always recommend to our clients that they do something like uh, EOS uh, so that they can drive their business strategy. But the clues there on what needs to go in the quarterly rocks, right? Where, where yeah. are we gonna be? What's our vision? Those come from the exit strategy, right? Uh, and and those are things that uh, that you can do to improve the value. You know, the other alarming stat I wanted to share with you is that fifty, I think it's fifty four percent of businesses that want to sell right now. That, so of all the businesses that want to sell right now, fifty four percent of them have no exit strategy. Look, it's it's not like selling a house. You don't call a, a, a realtor, say, hey, come over, stick a sign on my yard. And three months later, you're out, you know, oh, sipping yeah. margaritas and, and, uh, uh, and moving into a new house. It just doesn't work like that uh, in business. And so for most business owners, this is a once in a lifetime transition, right? And so the more you plan for this, the better the outcome is going to be. I mean, we could, we could talk all day. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, and, and unfortunately running out cause yeah, I've, I've loved it, but no, that's, that's kind of the thing I always look at is like one way or the other, you're going to exit the business. So it's, it's like, okay, is it going to be on your terms in a profitable situation or is it going to be just a, a train wreck kind of a thing? But it's like one, one way or the other, you're going to exit the business. So obviously the more you can plan for that, the more you can, 
hopefully do that in advance. And like you said, not, not call up the realtor and say, Hey, I want to sell today because you're not going to get the value for sure. If you try pulling that, then right. you can actually do this in a, in a better way to your, to your point of, okay, even if the exit is simply the business is not going away, we're handing it off to the kids or something like that. There's still an exit from it. There's still a way to hopefully build the value of it enough that, okay, when you do hand it off, it's got more value and they've got the ability to sit there and run with it, that it's not in your head, that you're, you're not trying to retire and the kids are not still calling you up saying, Hey dad, how do we do X, Y, Z? Well, that's a, that's a great, you know, by the way, you know, I said, you know, it's, it's uh, 83% of businesses don't transition uh, that, that want to sell 70% of businesses that, that want to do an intergenerational transition. So a sale to family fail to get there because yeah. the next generation is just not prepared for it. Or like what you said, Hey, how do I do this? You know, I've got, a, I've got a client in uh, the Northeast that um, I was visiting with them. It's a, the patriarch and the matriarch own the business and their son, you know, in his forties kind of runs the business, but, but mom and dad have hold on certain things that he doesn't even understand. Uh, and, and so as we've talked about, how do we, how do we, transfer that knowledge. Parents are like, I don't, I don't want to quit yet. I don't, I don't want to retire. I'm not asking you to retire. I'm just asking you to teach him how to do this stuff so that if something happens to you guys, he's not completely dumbfounded and, and stopped right at a, at a roadblock. How do I do this? Uh, and it was interesting uh, with that particular client, we've been working with them for years, um, that COVID actually drove them, the parents to finally release those things because they couldn't come into the office. They were in the high risk category. And so the son's like, okay, well, now you got to tell me how to do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a 2020 was an interesting year. And I think forced a lot of people's hands in a lot of areas. So yeah, it was obviously not, not great, but at the same time, yeah. it, I think it did force some good transitions out there. So, yeah. But yeah, no, we're unfortunately running out of time. Uh, like I said, I'd, I'd love to keep talking with it. But if people want to learn more about business evaluation, about how they're going to structure an end plan, what, where can they find some more information about you or reach out to you there? Absolutely. Right on my website. It's Mastery Partners, master with a Y, masterypartners.com. Uh, you can find me there. There's, there's a link there to schedule a telephone call with me or, or a Zoom call like this. Uh, or you can call me on my cell phone, 817-797-1488. I always answer that. Uh, well, nice. And I would say, you've got your own podcast going, don't you? I do. The Maximize Business Value Podcast. If you'll allow me to give an un, unabashed uh, you know, uh, uh, commercial for my book, our book, uh, Maximize Business Value, came out last year. Our new book is going to be coming out uh, maybe even by the time this podcast is out. Uh, but it, Maximize Business Value is kind of where we brand. You can find our podcast anywhere, all the same places that you found this podcast, but it's just the Maximize Business Value podcast. And, and it is really tricks and tips and things that we've learned through the years. Just great content, uh, interviews with folks like, with folks like you, Jeff, uh, on, on how to improve the value of your business. Lots of tips and tools like that. Yeah, we'll definitely get all that in the, the notes right here below so we can have easy access to all that. But yeah, I appreciate the time, appreciate the insight. It's, like I said, a little bit different interview than we're used to, but I think still a, a very, very valuable uh, content, very valuable insight. Because like I said, most people just simply don't think about the exit or we're too focused on today. And it's it can drive, like you said, decisions you make today should be based upon that. And obviously the more you can plan, the more you can get value out of it. So I, I really appreciate it. 
Awesome. Hey, this has been totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.